Okay, hello everyone. I'm back with more questions and answers. So today's question, you can you can go and read it if you like. If you're watching this live, uh, it's actually a rather complicated question, but I I find two points in it. Uh, it's about the noting practice or the use of uh, what I call mantra, mindfulness mantra of sorts, using a word or making a note. And so the first part is about uh, different ways of noting. This person has their own way of noting, I think. I don't quite understand. Um, it, it's not not easy to tell exactly what this person is doing, how they're meditating, even quite what they're asking over the internet. So I'm just going to talk generally. First about that, and second is about uh, whether noting can cause clinging. This is a common question, the second one. But it's two distinct uh, points, though related. And I think I can answer them sort of together. So this person talks about noting uh, experiences as the five aggregates. So this one is the first aggregate, this one is form, is physical, right? This one is feeling, this one is uh, perception, this one is thought, this one is uh, consciousness. And uh, so there's a question, I'm not even sure that they're asking this question, but I have a question that I want to answer is whether this is a valid uh, understanding of the technique that we do or even a valid meditation at all. So when we talk about meditation, and this is a question I get, sort of question I get is what is meditation or is, is X meditation, is this thing that I do meditation or so on. Uh, meditation is some kind of mental practice. It's where you do something with your mind, cultivating habits, cultivating or dealing with habits. It can be about breaking down habits. And so when you have an experience, there's many different things you can do. You, you can uh, think about it. You can react to it. You can try and suppress it or, or you can try and find a way to avoid it. You can uh, go with it, or, or uh, you know, engage with it, try and encourage it to continue. You can enjoy it, you can ignore it. Uh, and so what happens with some types of meditation or practice that appear to be meditation, is they become a meditation in the Western sense, where you mull or ponder something. Uh, and, and I think this is what this person is talking about, and so I don't consider it to be a valid uh, sort of meditation of the sort that we're doing. If you sit, and when you have an experience, suppose you feel pain, and you contemplate it from a Buddhist perspective, you think about it, that, hey, this is impermanent. Hey, this is suffering. Hey, this is non-self. Or you think, oh, this is, this is just pain, and and you 
try and tell yourself something about it. If you, well, not not this is just pain. Actually, that would be a little better, I think. But so I'll explain why. But if you if you make it out to be more than it is, you you create abstract thought about it. You're not actually uh, cultivating mindfulness. The you're, you're evoking states of thought, states of contemplation. So you're actually not paying attention to the experience, which turns out to be quite important from a meditative or a mindfulness perspective. The difference between that and saying to yourself, this is pain, or, or even just pain, pain, or if it's a thought saying, this is a thought or thinking, is you're actually reminding yourself uh, uh, something very fundamental and, and basic about the experience. And what it evokes is a free understanding, and a, a, a free consciousness, a consciousness that is free from any kind of judgment, any kind of abstraction, any kind of diversification, making more, about, more out of the experience than it actually is. So it's actually quite a special um, interaction and in that it's meant to, it's designed to, and it has the effect of creating a, an objective state of mind where you simply experience the object as it is. When we talk about things like patience and equanimity, even peace and tranquility, they're all wrapped up in this, uh, this idea of not doing anything. So what we're trying to do with that is to find that state where we don't create, where we don't proliferate, where we don't make anything out of it. It's called bhava. Bhava, if you're familiar with uh, Buddhist theory, is the, the link in the chain that leads to uh, suffering when you make something out of something. So if someone says, a simple worldly example would be if someone says something to you like you're a jerk, you're a dummy, you're, you're this, you're that, if someone says you're fat or you're thin or so on. Someone says something, maybe even something innocent to you, and you make something out of it, you get upset about it. Uh, you've created bhava, you've, bhava means being or becoming, you, you, you make something, you cause something to become. You make a deal out of it, right? When you make a big deal out of something, or any kind of deal. So, the use of the mantra, a mantra, when it's tautological in the sense of it's not saying anything new about the experience, it's just reminding you in, in the way of uh, trying to experience the thing simply for what it is, uh, it, it's unique in that what it evokes, again, is, is nothing really, is an absence. And it should feel like that. It should feel like you've got a respite. You've been given a, uh, um, uh, a moment that is free from any uh, of this thinking, or, or contemplating, or diversifying. So the first part of this question, this person who talks about applying Buddhist theory to the experience and trying to... A common one that wasn't mentioned is uh, see, saying to yourself, hey, that's impermanent. If you start to contemplate it as impermanent, it's, it's, a, it's a poor translation or it's a misleading translation when we read texts where it says one contemplates something as impermanent. It's generally better or more literal to say sees or understands. 
or knows the thing as, as impermanent. And that gets into our, sort of the second part. Um, no, but, but I'll just say a few more things about what else comes. So, I say when you note, you're really doing nothing or you're creating nothing. The result is a state that is free, but there's much more to it than that. It's not just simply nothing. Uh, first of all, you're, you're creating this ob objectivity, but second of all, you're creating a habit. You're creating a habitual awareness or a, a habitual interaction with experience. So, without meditating, a person who never has any idea to practice meditation is constantly um, engaging with experiences habitually. Right? We think it, and this person even mentions it, I think, in their question about how when you experience something immediately you react to it there's it's like he's, he explain or this person explains it as being bound up in the experience there's liking and disliking that's just a part of the experience it's so immediate uh, but so we would see this as a habit you know, our habits that we develop throughout our life in a kind of a similar way to the way we develop habits in meditation, but the habits in meditation, especially mindfulness meditation, are much more simple and, and singular. And so, by saying to ourselves, pain, pain, or thinking, thinking, and evoking um, a habit of thing, experiencing things just as they are, it, it uh, flows into our ordinary lives. And so we'll find ourselves walking down the street and and experiencing things without stress, having thoughts, having interactions with people. We'll find ourselves at work in situations where we would be stressed, where we would be upset, in family situations where we would be reactive or reactionary, and finding ourselves far less reactionary because of the habits that we're developing. It's not magic, and it's not quick, it's not a quick fix, because we're dealing with old habits that are years and years and even lifetimes perhaps old. Um, but it happens quite clearly, and the evidence you can see for yourself, right? The Buddha said his teaching was something to come and see for this very reason, it's not magic. It's not a talking about God or heaven or, 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 or spirits or magical powers. It's talking about simple principles of, of cultivating habits and, and their effect on you. The, the, the third thing it does is it breaks down bad habits. And that's, you know, as a part of building up good habits, is that all these reactions don't have the opportunity. So when you do nothing, we we decrease and and weaken our capacity, our potential to react to things. The fourth thing it does is it helps you to see more clearly your experience. So you'll see clearly how bad habits are bad. You'll see how bad anger is and greed is and conceit and arrogance and all that worry and restlessness and distraction and, and so on. But you'll also see more clearly the things that you like, the things that you normally like, the things that you normally dislike. You'll see clearly um, your your thoughts and your 
your rationalization or you know these investigation uh, that go on in the mind you'll see them clearly as well and the great thing about that is is that's where you see impermanent suffering and non-self you see that the things that you clung to or or held on to or wanted are not worth wanting because the stability you saw in them the the satisfaction you saw in them the control that you thought you had over them goes all to pot you, you, you it, it it turns out to be an illusion it turns out to be something you you cooked up in your ignorance and when you look more clearly at the experiences you see that it's all un, unpredictable, inconstant, impermanent. It's unsatisfying, it's, and it's uncontrollable. And there's no thing that you can control. It's the, the nature of things is not about things that are possessable or controllable. And you, so you see the chaos in, in your mind and in your body and so on. So these are the things that happen when you you are mindful, right? when you just say to yourself, pain, pain, or thinking, thinking. So the question of whether uh, noting could lead to clinging, right? it's often uh, when I when when someone first hears about this idea, and uh, we mention things like saying to yourself, angry, angry. It's, a, it's often a question where the person asks, wouldn't that just make the anger worse? Or wouldn't that just make me want the thing or crave the thing more? And um, I suppose it's a, it's a, it, it's a reasonable or, or it's unsurprising that people will ask this. But for someone who's done meditation, it's, it's, hard, to, it's hard to understand sort of how someone could think that. Um, or, or how that could be possible. It's like you might as well think that the sun might rise in in the west or something. Uh, so, but to break it down intellectually, as I'm going to give a talk here, and I'll talk a little bit intellectually, just why it is why it isn't so. Because if you practice meditation, you'll see that it isn't so. If you practice saying to yourself, "pain, uh, angry, angry," or "liking, liking," or whatever. If you say to yourself, pain, pain, why it doesn't lead to bad things? You know, we talk about why this is, goes back to what I've just been talking about. Um, but uh, more particularly, is talking about what it is that leads to clinging. You know, why is it that we cling to things when we have... Um, something pleasant why do we want it and when we have wanting what is it that leads us to go and what is it that leads us to want more when we have anger what is it that leads to more anger so it's first worth noting that we can't actually be mindful in the present moment and this is especially the case with anger and greed for example, or, or, or unwholesome states. So when you have an experience of thought, for example, the thought has to come first, and then you have to be mindful of it. You have to remind yourself that was thinking. So it's actually being mindful of something that happened in the past. And that's important because we have to understand what's going on here when we get angry or when we have 
clinging or so on. Or when we have an experience and then we cling to it. What is the what is the process by which that occurs? So when we have anger, for example, anger and mindfulness can't exist in the same mind state. So what we're actually um, being aware of is the fact that we were we were angry. It's an acknowledgement of the fact that we're angry, saying there was anger, or or there was anger, and then saying to ourselves that was anger. So how that's different, or how that how that's different from escalating, or why that would in no way escalate, is um, because escalating is when you say that something is this or that. When when you have anger and you say that's bad, or when the anger leads to a headache or or tension or pain or sadness or so on, and you react to that, you you say that's bad. So. If someone says something to you, and you get angry, and uh, the anger, so the anger comes, and then you think about what they said, you remember again what they said, and this happens very quickly. You'll say, "You just did. You just say you're, you're angry," and angrily you'll say to them or to yourself, "Did you just say to me that I'm this or I'm that?" And that makes you more angry. Right? Because you're you're evoking another experience after the anger, and you're getting angry about that, and you're building up uh, based all on habits. You're, you're escalating it uh, into more and more anger. The same goes with this is similar to how I talk about talked about anxiety. When you're anxious, and then there's the physical feelings that come from anxiety, and they make you more anxious. You get anxious because oh, I'm anxious, and you can feel it and it makes you more anxious, and you can have a panic attack if it gets worse and worse. When when you say to yourself, for example, angry, angry, or, or when you say to yourself, pain, pain, um, why it doesn't lead to bad things, why the anger doesn't lead to more anger, is because you're saying this is this, rather than saying this is bad and creating a reaction, you're cutting the chain. So it's... I mean, it's quite simple and quite obvious. I think the question is is sort of based on our ordinary use of words. Like, in an ordinary sense, we might say, I'm so angry. But we don't mean it as an acceptance and an understanding that I am angry. We mean it as, I'm getting angry, or I want to be more angry. When you say, I'm so angry, you're actually building more anger uh, in the ordinary sense, because you're not just... You know, just being objective about it. So I don't know a, few, a couple of interesting ideas about about the noting technique, about mindfulness in general. Um, I think uh, I take this approach because I think it's important to talk about um, this process of, of of noting explicitly in detail. Uh, sometimes, because sometimes I make videos about Buddhism and and about meditation, talking about concepts and ideas, without explicitly talking about the technique, and uh, it seems like sometimes people miss that. And I've talked to people who are interested in my videos, who who have found them helpful, uh, but don't yet understand how it is we practice and 
so it stays on this intellectual level and this I think may have been a case with this person where they were uh, engaged in analyzing experiences which is different from being mindful of them so there you go there's the video for tonight thank you all for tuning in